Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. All right, Penn State football fans, and you, Johnny McGonigal, Philadelphia Eagle football fan, welcome aboard to the Blue White Breakdown. Eagles fans, congrats on your spot in the NFC Championship game where you will be playing the San Francisco 49ers. My Cowboys just didn't get it done. Deserve to be bounced. Johnny, congrats. I know what you're going to be doing on Sunday around 3 o'clock. I have a pretty good idea what most Penn State fans are going to be doing around 3 o'clock on Sunday. But, Johnny, let's talk about Penn State's newest wide receivers coach, Marcus Higgins, uh, replacing Taylor Stubblefield. We have a lot to get to in this show, uh, and I know you're psyched about the birds, but Marcus Higgins, interesting guy, uh, longtime assistant at Virginia. And the reason I bring that up is Penn State's struggle to keep their wideout coaches, uh, or they've made a lot of changes during James Franklin's time. Uh, why do you think this will be different? Yeah, Bob, on Sunday, I'll be at the link. I'll be one of 68,000 uh, going to the game, had to pull the trigger. You had to. Go birds. But before that, in the days you know leading up to that, I'll be talking to a bunch of former uh, you know uh, Virginia wide receivers about Marcus Hagens, about Penn State's new wide receivers coach, uh, a guy who has been synonymous with Virginia football uh, for a very long time. He started his you know he played college there. He was a star quarterback, four year letter winner uh, in the early aughts, and came back as a graduate assistant. In 2011, started coaching wide receivers specifically there in 2013 and did that up until uh, he decided this week, maybe even a few days, you know, maybe over the weekend uh, to come to Penn State and and link up with James Franklin and his staff. Uh, It's a big move for Marcus Hagens. It's a big move for Penn State. Uh, And you mentioned he's the fifth wide receivers coach in James Franklin's now tenure. Taylor uh, Stubblefield was here for three years. You had you know, Jared Parker and David Corley for one season apiece and uh, Josh Gaddis uh, starting off uh, with uh, James Franklin here at Penn State coming over from Vanderbilt. This is a play where I feel like you bring in a guy who has been at a program for over a decade uh, that bears, you know, that, that bodes well. If you want someone to come in and, and be you know, settled and, and be a program guy and be here for a while, um, familiarity on staff helps as well with Anthony Poindexter, Penn State safeties coach and co-defensive coordinator. Anthony was a GA when Marcus was a player, I believe. 
and then they they overlapped on the same Virginia staff for a few years as well. So a um, lot of familiarity between those two and uh, a lot of familiarity with the area that Penn State likes to recruit down in Virginia and, and the, you know, the D.C., Maryland area. Uh, that helps. And so I think it's a nice hire for Penn State. We get into it a little bit more here. But overall, I think it's a it's a really good hire for James Franklin and his staff. Yeah, a couple of things. You mentioned Poindexter. I would draw a couple of conclusions, I think, pretty easily. Anthony Poindexter, during his time at Penn State, has done a fantastic job as coach of the safeties. I think he might have been in, in the mix to be the Virginia head coach a couple of years ago. I think the job went to Tony Elliott. But the reason I bring that up is I think James really likes what Poindexter has brought to Penn State in all facets I think seeing that, and and if if a guy like maybe Anthony Poindexter can pound the table maybe for a guy uh, like Hagens, I think James is going to be all ears. How big of a role do you think Poindexter could have played in this? And do you think that James makes the call to get Hagens if if he doesn't hear from Poindexter about just what he likes about uh, a guy like Marcus? Well, this is a relationship between Marcus Hagens and Anthony Poindexter that I mentioned goes back a while. Um, and they've been friends for a long time. And I think that was even rekindled a little bit talking to a couple of uh, writers uh, who cover uh, ACC football and Virginia specifically down there, uh, a relationship that was kind of rekindled when Anthony Poindexter was in the running for that UVA job. Uh, and that went to Tony Elliott. But uh, I do think that that played a role in Marcus Hagan's coming and feeling comfortable coming to Penn State. Uh, that definitely helps. But also this is a this is a situation where it's a step up for him professionally coming to the big 10, coming to a major program. We've seen what he's been able to do uh, developing wide receivers at Virginia, a really good academic institution. And obviously in the ACC, it's a power five program uh, has had some success, uh, you know, even going back, you know, Bronco Mendenhall and um, the 2021 offense in particular was really good. But you look at the kind of receivers that Virginia has had. It's not, they're not getting four star, five star guys, on a consistent basis, they're not getting five star guys at all, but four stars on a consistent basis. But uh, what Marcus has been able to do with some of that talent, Alameda Zacchaeus is a was a good player and is in the NFL now. Uh, Joe Reed, you know, most recently Dontavian Wicks, guys who are sneaky in the in the upper echelon in terms of you know stats uh, year after year uh, among you know FBS programs among FBS wide receivers. Uh, he knows how to develop guys. He knows how to build relationships. And uh, I think that played a factor as well. It's, this is not just a thing where him and Anthony Poindexter are boys. So like, yeah, sure. Like, let's bring him on. Uh, he's a really good wide receivers coach. And he's proven it uh, over, uh, you know, over a decade at Virginia. And uh, it, it's a nice ad for Penn State. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Taylor Stubblefield, you know, hired, I think, prior to the 2020 season. Three years is really the longest he's ever been, I think, at one school. He's he's really bounced around a lot. He was also the offensive recruiting coordinator when he left Penn State, and that's a title, I think, that Marcus is going to inherit. You mentioned how well he knows the Virginia, Maryland, D.C. Uh, area, and that's a that's a fertile ground for Penn State. They've They've always been able to get players out of that area and really good ones. But, Johnny, as you look at the Penn State receiver position during Taylor's time there, yes, they, Jahan Dotson was a tremendous player, but he was kind of already here by the time I think Stubblefield had, uh, had set foot at State College. So he's not real. I mean, he could, you could make the argument he developed them a little bit, but, I mean, they need to recruit the position better, and I, I think that's pretty clear. 
And also, I think they need to develop the position a little bit better. You know, they, they had to dip into the transfer portal to get a couple of, you know, guys that are really talented. Uh, one of the reasons they did is, yeah, they lost Parker uh, Washington and Mitchell Tinsley, but there's some young players on the Penn State uh, roster at receiver they like, but uh, I still, they're not, I don't know that they're really quite sure what they have in them. So I'm just wondering, big picture, the need to be better at recruiting uh, at this position, I think, had to weigh on James's mind. Yeah, you can always do better recruiting. You can always get, you know, higher rated guys. I think this this decision, though, is more of a developmental thing because, like you mentioned, Jahan Dotson was already on campus when Taylor Stubblefield uh, was hired back in 2020. I think Stubblefield has, you know, did some nice things as wide receivers coach. It's This was a, a little bit of a surprise to both of us that he was fired and didn't leave like for another opportunity because I didn't, you know, did, did he do enough to be fired? Um you know, I guess that's a, a luxury that James Franklin had to be able to hire someone like Marcus Higgins and bring someone in like that. But yeah, Jahan Dotson was already here. Uh, Parker Washington, I don't think produced this past year as well or as much uh, as people maybe thought he would. And you know, he missed the last three games of the season. So you have to take that into account. You know, Mitchell Tinsley was a nice ad uh, from the portal from Western Kentucky. And that was really Stubblefield that drove that home, went and visited him. And he was a main reason why Mitchell ended up coming to Penn State in the first place. But this past season, you kept looking for a third receiver to emerge. And uh, you like what you saw out of Keandre Lambert Smith uh, in the Rose Bowl, but it was too inconsistent and you know, leaning a little bit more on the tight ends in the running game. I just think from a developmental standpoint, there's a lot of talent uh, in that wide receiver room. They brought in five. Guys in the 2022 class have got Carmelo Taylor coming in as a 2023 signee. He'll be in in the summer and then going to the portal and getting Dante Cephas and Malik uh, McLean from Kent State and Florida State, respectively, two guys who are uber talented. And Cephas was an under recruited guy coming out of high school and has proven it in the Mac. And McLean was a, a highly touted guy coming out of high school that hasn't quite proved it as much at Florida State. So you've got a lot to work with. And if you're able to get a guy who can come in and develop what they have, develop a Caden Saunders, uh, you know, an Amari Evans um, in the short term, when you look at what you have with this window and Drew Aller, Nick Singleton, Katron Allen uh, in 2023, Olu Fashionu in this offensive line, you want results. Uh, there, there's, there's no time to waste here with, with where this Penn State program is positioned for this season and 2024. And I think that is on the forefront. Uh, development and then also being able to secure some of your top targets, because I know that James Franklin and, and people in that building were not happy with missing out on some of the transfer targets that they, that they set out to get Caden Prather and, you know, Devin Carter ended up committing then decommitting. Um, they weren't able to get Dante Thornton in from Oregon, who was a previous high school commit to Penn state. So uh, some frustration there as well, but this is a, this is a play for a guy who is a relationships based leader is what James Franklin called him. Uh, every indication that I've gotten from people I've talked to in Virginia you know, supports that. And yeah, this is a guy who knows how to develop wide receivers at a lower level than Penn State. So if he's able to do that at Penn State with the type of talent that they've got, I think you got something cooking there. All right, Johnny, before we move on from the new wideouts coach in the receiver room, just going to tee up here. I have, I have some thoughts. Who's, who's the one receiver not named Keandre Lambert-Smith, whether it's a transfer portal guy a freshman or a second year player or, you know, a third year player. Who's the one guy that you're going to really be looking at closely this offseason, whether it's spring drills, winter conditioning, even spinning it into August as a guy that you think 
is a guy that maybe Marcus really can kind of uh, accelerate, uh, maybe accelerate his development, and who could be a who could be a factor in the fall. Who do you, who's a key guy in the in the wideout room in your mind? Yeah, there's a few really quick. You, you mentioned winter workouts and spring, so that doesn't really apply to Dante Cephas because he's wrapping up academically at Kent State and he'll enroll in the summer. Uh, Malik McLean, the, the transfer in from Florida State, was a former four-star talent, an IMG Academy teammate of Katron Allen uh, in high school, the college prep program down there in Florida. He's enrolled. He's taking classes. He's taking part in winter workouts. He'll be available in spring camp. So I'm interested to see uh, what Marcus Higgins is able to do with him. And then, again, going back to that uh, that uh, freshman group, the five, uh, the five 2022 signees, Caden Saunders, Anthony Ivey, Tyler Johnson, Christian Driver and Amari Evans. There's a lot of talent in that room. Now, is Christian Driver going to end up on the defensive side of the ball again? Maybe. But Caden Saunders was a top-tier talent. A lot of programs wanted him. I mean, you're talking a borderline five-star talent. Uh, and he didn't really show much this past season. He had a lot of growing to do, a lot of developing to do. And uh, I'm interested to see what kind of steps he's able to take uh, with a full offseason here ahead of the 2023 season. So, you know, Cephas for the summer, you know, once he gets in from Kent State. But right now, you know, winter workouts and spring ball, McLean, and I'm going to say Saunders. I, I I liked what he had on, on his high school tape, and uh, I'd be interested to see if that really starts to translate here in his second year in the program. Yeah, I like one guy I'll be watching is is uh, is Wallace. I just think, just athletically, he's a guy that if it ever all comes together for him, he, I think he he's he's got the tools to really be a very very productive Big Ten wide receiver. You see it in flashes, whether it was the blue white game or whether it was you know there were some times I think even in season you're like wow this guy puts it all together. He has a chance to be really good, and you never know it could it could happen in a hurry. And I was always curious, Johnny. Uh, I know that I think you picked up on this too. Whenever Stubblefield was asked about Saunders, he was kind of like it was. Uh, Caden was a guy that you're right. He was a guy that was. I think the first guy in that recruiting class, everyone was raving about him. KJ Hamler, like tools, enrolled early, but I always felt like Taylor was really like he just was. Maybe it was tough love, but he he gave off the vibe that maybe Caden wasn't really taking it seriously in the uh, in the off season or not really ready to go at the start. He was hopeful that he could turn it on, but I was a little surprised by how frank Taylor was when it came to kind of evaluating a very young receiver. You usually don't hear that when you're talking about that good of a prospect. But I was just wondering, he said it more than once. He said it, I think, in the spring. He said it again in August. And I was just, it was curious to hear him say that. It was. And, you know, you always have to look for those little, those little nuggets of info, the little diamonds in the rough when you're talking to some of these. Some of these assistant coaches aren't all that honest, but he was pretty honest <laughs> when it came to Caden Saunders. But again, we know what kind of talent he has from when he came in at Penn State. And we know what kind of talent uh, Harrison Wallace said, a guy that you mentioned who you know can take the top off the defense. We've seen him, you know, make downfield catch after downfield catch. It was always in spurts, though, and I think a part of that too is the offense, is Sean Clifford, is everything that we've always you know talked about uh, with that downfield passing attack that was at many times uh, in 2022 was lacking. And you hope that with Marcus Higgins coming in, and if you're able to you know establish more of a downfield threat through the passing offense with Drew Aller, that things can just kind of click a little bit more. Um, but again, when you talk about an offense that has the staples of a Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, this offensive line and the tight ends, it really is. I think a part, a big part of this upcoming season is going to come down to the rapport between Drew Aller, assuming he is the starting quarterback, 
and these wide receivers. And and Marcus Higgins is going to play such a big part in all this. So I think this is a, a key hire, uh, one that we'll look back on in a couple of years uh, from James Franklin and say, all right, one, was this the right hire or two? Hey, that was, you know, and and, and how this all works out, because I think it, it is really integral. It helps that Marcus can come in and already feel familiar with Anthony Poindexter in the building uh, and feel comfortable. It's a big offseason for Penn State in, in that wide receiver room. It's a big few months upcoming, and uh, I'm interested to see how it all plays out. We'll get a little bit of a glimpse of it you know, during spring practice and, and obviously the blue-white game, but really we won't know until uh, until the ball kicks against West Virginia. What the wide receiver position has just become maybe, if it's not number one on the list, because everyone's going to be excited about you know, Drew and the quarterback position and some other positions. It's it's gotta be it's gotta be close now. There's been a lot of change in that room. They brought in some players, they got a new coach. I think a lot of eyes will be on the wide receiver room. This is the blue white breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's move along and get to a couple of points, see what jumps out at you. Brian Erlacher's son, a safety offered by PSU. Uh, Penn State had another, I think since we last talked, I don't know if we covered it the last time we talked. Uh, maybe we did. Jaden, I think Jaden Dotton in the transfer portal, maybe not a huge surprise. Penn State's had nine or ten kids appear in the portal. And also they got a run-on commitment from a very fast Louisiana running back David Kensey, I believe is the name. I think he ran for over 1,500 yards, runs in the 4-4 range. Of those three things, Johnny, what intri- what intrigues you the most? Uh, the Kennedy Erlacher thing makes me feel old, Bob. I don't know how <laughs> you feel. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even 30 yet, and it makes me feel old, knowing that Brian Erlacher's son is a recruit and seeing, you know, Asante Samuel Jr. in the league, you know, for a while, like, all of these things, I'm like, I used to play, you know, Brian Erlacher on Madden. Now his kid is is, uh, you know, potentially a Penn State player. He, he's he's a guy who has has offers from Iowa and Kansas, Kansas State, a handful of Power Five programs. Uh, so that interests me. Adding the the walk on running back, you need. I think you want and need depth uh, always at running back, uh, especially with Kevon Lee. Uh, out the door, even though I did see that Kevon Lee attended a Penn State basketball game recently. I don't know if you saw that. I don't know what to think about number 24. He is a quirky dude. He had his moment. He's had his moments at Penn State, a physical back. But man, whether it's social media or just some of the decisions, I'm just not sure what's what's going on with number 24. Yeah. And then Jaden Dotton entering the portal, not really a surprise uh, to me, but uh, the wide receiver position, as we talked about, it's it's in transition, but it's got a lot of bodies. It's got five signees from the 2022 class. Mentioned Carmelo Taylor from the 23 class. All the two transfers coming in. You've still got guys like Malik Mega, you know, Liam Clifford, again, Harrison Wallace, and 
DeAndre Lambert Smith. It's looking like uh, assuming the Cephas gets in and Carmelo Taylor is, you know, he's signed, but it, you know, enrolls and all that. It's looking like Penn State will have 12 scholarship receivers for the uh, 2023 season. So that's a lot of guys to sift through, uh, you know, if you're uh, Marcus Hagans, and it's a lot of competition uh, if you're a guy like Jaden Dotton, who feels like you can enter the portal um, and, you know, look for more playing time, greener pastures elsewhere. And uh, it was interesting because that that was the last, I believe, uh, unless I missed something, uh, was the last addition from Penn State's roster into the portal uh, before the it was the winter transfer portal window uh, closed last week. Uh, so FBS players who are not grad transfers can't enter the portal again until May. Uh, and then at that point, you know, again, that's spring ball in the rearview mirror. Guys know where they stand a little bit more uh, after 15 practices and talking to their position coaches and their head coaches. Uh, so we shouldn't see any real roster movement from now until then, uh, other than guys joining the 2024 recruiting class. So uh, right now, I feel like Penn State, I think they're one spot over the 85 scholarship limit. Uh, so they know that a few more guys are going to have to you know, end up leaving. Some roster attrition will naturally happen uh, if they want to add more uh, from the transfer portal, which is what you come to expect uh, these days. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have to just kind of wait and see on how uh, this roster uh, shapes up uh, in May. But right now, I feel like they're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, yeah. Johnny, as we talk about this on Tuesday, January 24th, because I heard from at least one or a couple of the uh, Penn State tech subscribers, uh, Penn State I think has they just have two commitments in the 2024 class. But I don't looking around that to me is not that unusual for it to be that low of a number. You look at what Ohio State and Michigan have done, and I know that James Franklin never sleeps. I know he's always working. He and his staff are working on other prospects, but it for them to have only two prospects in the third week in January to me that is not surprising at all. I just was wondering if you could kind of speak to that in case there's any other Penn State fans that are out there wondering why there's only two players in the 2024 class. No, it's still early. Uh, I, I like the two players that they do have in their class. Cooper Cousins, the lineman from Erie McDowell, and uh, Anthony Specka, the linebacker from Central Catholic, who you know was recruited by Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan. It looked like at, at, for a time that Michigan – was the favorite there and for Penn State to lock him down as well. Uh, recently, I think that's a big ad. They, they're having junior days. They're having kids on campus. They're going to have more kids on campus over the summer. Like This thing will pick up. There's still plenty of time uh, to add recruits to the 24 class. I would not be worried at all. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried. They shouldn't be worried. And I think they tend to get th- things done in bunches, so they could go – they could go a couple of weeks with very little activity. And then, you know, in a couple of they could get three or four kids, you know, in, in a couple of weeks. It happens that quickly with uh, Penn State and James Franklin. Let's talk. James is now in his 10th year, which is to me, you mentioned feeling old in Erlocker. That's another one that I can I can distinctly remember him his first month on the job in 2014. Crazy to think it's been he's now in his 10th year. But let's talk about a former Penn State head coach, the guy that he succeeded, you could see where I went there, Johnny. Bill O'Brien, recently the Alabama OC under Nick Saban, now back, back with his old buddy Bill Belichick in New England. They definitely need an offensive upgrade. I don't think it's very surprising that he's doing that. My question for you, Johnny, is do you think the college game has seen the last of Bill O'Brien? 
I think it has. I think this is one of those where he he's in New England now, you know, again, and th- this just feels like he he's an NFL guy. It always felt like he was at Alabama just to get the the Nick Saban rehab job, the, the coaching rehab, the the playbook uh, that Saban has down there, uh, and then just get back to the NFL. And he's got a nice little project there for himself in uh, in New England with Mac Jones and. Uh, you know, who knows how much longer Bill Belichick is going to end up coaching. I'm sure that he's going to coach until until the very end. He's that kind of guy. I, I think Bill B.O.B. has always kind of been an NFL guy. He's always handled himself like an NFL guy. And uh, I'm interested to see how it all works out again in New England, back where it all began without Tom Brady. You know, that that <laughs> it doesn't necessarily help. Um, but no, I'm interested to see what kind of uh, what kind of rehab job, what kind of, you know, how he constructs Mac Jones and, and the offense. And it was kind of a whoa moment. Wait, you know, seeing this morning, I uh, recording this on Tuesday afternoon, uh, the news that he was going back to New England. And it was tweeted by uh, I don't know if you remember Andrew Callahan, who uh, used to cover Penn State for 247, a good friend of mine and seeing the, the little parallels. So I'll have to talk to Andrew about Bill O'Brien's fit once again in, in New England. Yeah, it's weird. I read that when he took the OC job at Alabama, it was actually Mac Jones who taught him the Alabama offense to get him up to speed in a hurry. Now he goes back. He's going to work with Mac Jones, and I think they're probably going to switch roles. I hope. I hope Mac Jones likes getting yelled at. Is what I would say. That's one of the. That's one of the ways that Bill likes to get his word. His uh, his word across. But he's done it really at every stop. What he was able to do with Matt McGloin first. Because Matt McGloin was not a, he was a, you know, he was, you know, not a coveted kid coming out of high school. And I don't want to say afterthought, but what he he was able to do with him in 2012 was remarkable. But also, what he he was the only guy that really could get anything going with Christian Hackenberg. I mean, he did some great things with him in his only year. So I think I think the arrow is definitely trending up for the Patriots offense. If you're a Patriots fan, Uh, but I hope Matt Jones. Isn't really. I hope he doesn't have thin skin. That's all I'll say, Mac. If you're listening, just get ready because it'd be coming at any time from Bill O'Brien when he gets ticked off. Johnny, one final thing here on the blue white breakdown. Unless you have something, I just want to know. I'm, I'm psyched that you're going to the Eagles game. What's so? What's the Sunday itinerary? The game's at like three. Um, how many people are going? What's the tailgate situation? I think the weather. Who cares what the weather's going to be like, right? But I mean, you're going to be all amped up. But how early is your day going to start? Well, look, let, let's just put it this way. If there are any recruits that commit on Sunday, <laughs> that's all you. All right. uh, no, I'm not 100% sure on plans. I'm going with some family, uh, meeting with some buddies uh, as well. Might do some tailgating. Uh, don't think we're going to bother with Xfinity Live. That's going to be an absolute nightmare. Uh, so maybe we'll go somewhere to a bar, you know, South Philly before and an Uber over or something. We'll figure it out. But I, I kind of wish... The, the birds were playing the Cowboys. I think every Eagles fan wanted to see that. Especially after seeing how he played. Uh, I wanted Dak Prescott. I didn't necessarily want to see uh, Micah Parsons uh, living in, in the Eagles backfield. Uh, but I wanted to see Dak Prescott and we, we won't get that. So yeah. uh, we'll just have to, we'll have to see what Brock Purdy, uh, Mr. Irrelevant uh, has for us. So I, I just, I just have a, I have a funny feeling. You're not the only Penn state beat writer that may matriculate themselves either to the tailgate lots or into the game in one way, shape, or form. The uh, As I've learned, the Penn State beat has a lot of Phillies fans, but also a lot of Eagles fans, a lot of Philadelphia influence. So 
it's been a real special year for you guys so far. Hopefully it can continue. I know you wanted Dallas, and I think if Dallas made it to Philadelphia, as a Cowboys fan, I don't think it would have been a very enjoyable day for me. And I think they got what they deserved out in San Francisco. But the Eagles are a different animal, and that crowd is going to be raring to go. It should be a fantastic experience for you. And yeah, hopefully James Franklin will will not add anyone to his staff or to his roster until either Monday or maybe like Sunday afternoon at noon would be great. But uh, if you could just kind of pump the brakes on Sunday, I know you'd appreciate it. Uh, I think that's it for this one, the Blue-White Breakdown. Johnny and I will be back. We could be talking about Johnny going to the Super Bowl next week somehow, uh, if it's possible. But Johnny, good luck this week, and we will have more Penn State football news throughout the week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.